You're listening to a podcast from www.aussiewriters.com.au where we celebrate talented Australian writers and their books. So we're at the Jugiong Writers Festival and I'm welcoming here Solari Gentile. Did I say it correctly? You did. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Solari, I have to ask you because I love this name. What's your background? What language does that come from? Uh, I was born in Sri Lanka. Uh, so Solari is a, a Sri Lankan name. Right. Um, and Gentile, well, I'll let you in on a secret, it's not my real name. My real name is a Sri Lankan name which is a lot longer and like a lot of Sri Lankan names has almost every letter in the alphabet in it. <laughs> <laughs> so as an author, it would be... It would take up the entire yes. spine of a book. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was truncated. So how did you... Ch- I was going to say how did you choose it. So it is part of your name. It is. Well, I sat down with my name and just took letters out. Until <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's fabulous. And um, you're heralded in the program as a YA and crime author, which is an interesting combination. <laughs> and you have this Roland Sinclair series, and I heard a little bit from your talk this morning, and I loved a couple of the things that you said. And in particular, what I loved was that um, your guy, <laughs> your guy is not evil. He's a good man. He's got good values. And I thought, this is very unusual. So take us through the Roland Sinclair series and um, your main character. Uh, the Roland Sinclair series is set in the 1930s in, uh, in Australia, in, in New South Wales in particular. And the 1930s uh, was a time of particular... Uh, dramatic foil. Uh, it was a time of tumultuous politics and extreme passions and larger than life figures, uh, just striding the landscape. And so. And Solari, you're, you're quite a young person to be interested in the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me point out, I did not witness the 30s. Oh, good. <laughs> I thought the readers, you know, the listeners, sorry, should know that because they can't see that you're a young, beautiful person. <laughs> so go on. Well, uh, actually, m- m- this, I, I happened upon the 30s in a, in an almost purely pragmatic manner. Uh, I was writing my YA fiction, and which is based in Greek mythology. Right. Um, and like, uh, like many writers, I have that wonderful asset in that I have a captive editor in the form of my husband. Oh, wonderful. And, yeah, so it's a, a tame editor is a boon that no writer should scoff at. <laughs> and he, he's a he's a an historian and an English history teacher. So I used to hand him my manuscripts after I finished and get him to to go through it uh, as I went. And of course, you know, didn't uh, cause any arguments. Um, occasionally. Well, the, the, this is the argument that developed into the Roland Sinclair series. As I was writing these uh, Greek mythic fictions, and of course, Michael's a boy from Junee, and he found that he. He found himself stopping every time he came across names like Agalaus and Agamemnon and and so on and trying to think, how do I pronounce it? And So one day he just uh, turned around to me and he handed me back the manuscript and said, for God's sake, can't you write something with names like Peter and Paul in it? (laughs) (laughs) And at the time I just laughed and ignored him as you do. Uh, But uh, 
But one thing that I realised once I started writing, and I wasn't always a writer, I had come to writing late, but once I discovered it, I was consumed by it. Um, and the, the temptation to disappear into my head was just too strong for, uh-huh. <laughs> for me the to... mark of a true writer. Exactly. I think it's called dysfunctional, but never mind, we won't go there. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not dysfunctional for writers. I mean, no, not at all. There's not wonderful all. worlds in our head and there's lots of people in there for us to talk to. That's uh, right. But it's hard to live with. Yes. And uh, one of the challenges that I realised with writing is making your imagined world, the world inside your head, work with the world that you actually live in mm-hmm. and trying to create a bridge between the two. So mm-hmm. I particularly and pragmatically looked for a setting, an area of history or uh, an area in which I could write which would interest my husband. And he happens to be an historian with a particular expertise in the extreme right-wing political movements of the 1930s in New South Wales. Right. (laughs) Which, coincidentally, is the era in which the Roland Sinclair series is set. Well, that sounds to me like you've you've managed to... um Keep my editor. (laughs) (laughs) All parties, interested parties. Well, it's it's Uh, stakeholders. Well, look, it 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 is a valuable process in that it then leaves me free to indulge this tendency to go into my head because I can bring him into my head with me. I don't have to come out so often. Doesn't alienate you. That's good. I like that. So, so Solari, you say that you weren't always an author. How how did you? fall into the role of author what happened what were you doing before you were look it's almost embarrassing to say I was I was a lawyer um, and I like the law it's a it's a decent profession it's well remunerated people think you're clever you get to dress well Uh, (laughs) you're articulate you can communicate that certainly is a prerequisite for a writer and uh, well you know and uh, so I was, I was, you know, perfectly content, and I thought I was meant to be a lawyer. What kind of law did you practice? I was a corporate lawyer. A corporate lawyer. Oh my goodness! And I, That's I was... worlds away from where we are. Indeed, here. with a particular <laughs> expertise in privatisation oh, of all my things. <laughs> and then there's the matter of astrophysics. Was Astro- it? Well, that's probably more connected to my writing. When, when my family first came to Australia, when we were migrants, we lived in Melbourne. And uh, those who live in Melbourne or have lived in Melbourne will know that Melbourne summers have those very hot nights, which are airless and, and it, the heat just doesn't dissipate. We lived in one of those little brick veneer boxes in the suburbs. In the oh. sub- and we used to troop out onto the lawn at night because it was too hot to sleep in the house. And this is when I was very young. Um, and we used to look up at the sky, in the night sky. In those days, because we were out in the suburbs and because Melbourne wasn't what it is now, you could still see the stars from Melbourne. And um, we used to look up at the stars and my dad would tell me stories. Uh, oh, so storytelling runs in your family. Well, he'd tell me the stories of ancient myths and the constellations of Orion and Pegasus and yes. so on. And I'd almost forgotten this, but, you know, as I grew up, I always had a fascination with the stars as a result. Yes. Yes. And so I thought that meant I should be an astrophysicist. Of course. And what so, else would you think? <laughs> so I trotted off to university and enrolled in astrophysics. And imagine my disappointment when I realized they were talking about balls of gas and mathematical functions. It's a... Nothing romantic at all. There was no Orion there. And I was, I was absolutely devastated that they were reducing my beautiful 
constellations to these uh, purely scientific functions. And so I... So that would drive you to law, for sure. Drove me, <laughs> drove me to law. I, I looked for the one course that was almost exactly the opposite of what I'd been doing. Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I enrolled in law and uh, I became a lawyer. And I forgot all of this. You know, there's so much of your life that's driven by motivations that you forget. Um, and I picked up writing. While, whilst I was doing the law, I thought I was content, but I was a serial hobbyist. I, was, I, 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 can, I make stained glass windows, I've done quilting, I've done painting. Lots I can creative pursuits. I can pregnancy test your cows. <laughs> <laughs> anything that I'll keep that in mind, Solari, next time I need such a test. <laughs> anything that was going. So, in suburban Canberra, I don't <laughs> oh, think no, so. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> One would hope not. <laughs> the planning people may have objections. <laughs> but um, And so I decided, I woke up one morning and decided to write a novel the same way as I decided to take a welding course. It was just another thing to do. And was that first novel that you wrote, was that a... Uh Young adult novel. That was that was uh, yeah one of the Greek myth- uh, mythological novels. Right. And what I realised very quickly, um, yes. within you know days of starting to write, is that it was different from my other hobbies. Yes. It it became as natural to me as breathing, and the thought of stopping was like the st- thought of stopping breathing. It was just not on the cards anymore. You couldn't turn back. And it was it was over for me. Yes. Um, and I, I and I became and your husband and, and my husband. So I had to find a way to bring him in. I, yes. I, I remember actually thinking at the time, I'm not planning on getting rid of Michael. I'm going to have to make this work. <laughs> <laughs> it was not the other way on. <laughs> That's wonderful. And so and and you know you listed as a young adult and crime mm. author. Um, is this criminal series that you've written, the Roland Sinclair series, is that for young adults? So oh. have you combined the crime no, no, and no, young no. adult or is it separate? It, the, I think uh, they're referred to as separate. Um, I don't ever write stories for a particular market, so I don't ever think I'm writing this for young adult, I'm writing this for adult. I write stories and someone else decides whether they're young adult or where they fit in the bookshelf. Um, the role you self-publish or do you have a publisher? I have a publisher. Yes. I've had a publisher for all my... I'm not organised enough to self-publish. <laughs> Too much like hard work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, the self-publishing yeah. is a wonderful uh, boon for, for writers who, who want to get out there. Uh, but it's also a lot of work. Um, it is. You have to be willing to market. Yeah. It's so not, I, as, yeah, exactly. not as simple as it so, sounds. So mm. traditional publishing means that there are the people with expertise who who know how to put a book together, who know how to... And I don't have to learn that. I can. All I want to do is write. Mm. Um, I don't like to come out of my head. Mm. Um, so what I see as self-publishing is, yes, it's wonderful, but you need to be a different type of person to the person that I am, mm-hmm. who is utterly disorganised, <laughs> has a terrible sense of direction. If I was marketing my own books, I'd be lost most of the time. Right, okay. <laughs> so, so we're just writing, that's fine. And so this is your sixth book in the Roland Sinclair series. Is there 
is there an ending to the uh, <laughs> volumes that are coming out? Well, initially when I started the Roland Sinclair series, it, the, the series began in about 1932. Hmm. Um, I had an idea of where it had all end for Roland or where, where I would stop writing oh, it him. sounds very ominous. It's <laughs> <laughs> all going to end for Roland. Well, where, where, his, where his relationship with me would end. Right, okay. <laughs> and, and I always envisaged writing him through the war and finishing yes. in 1945. Right. And initially, I thought I would write one book for each year between 1932 and 1945. It's a lot of books. Yeah, but you know, I have now, I'm now writing the seventh book and I haven't got out of 1934 yet. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Because there is that much material in that era. So you you must do a lot of research. Today we learnt um, from a lot of writers that uh, research is vital. To, to the yeah, in a way, I, I research differently to uh, a lot of writers. One, I research as I go. Yes. Um, and, and the reason for that is it reduces the temptation to write your research because, you know, we're, we're, I'm interested in the 1930s, so if I read something that's a particular nugget that I think is really interesting, the temptation there is to stick it in the book whether it fits or not. Right. Um, okay. So, But researching as you go gives you a more... Uh, defined and targeted form of research. You look for what you need to know to progress the story. But the other thing is, I live with my best source of research. Um, and oh, so, right. and so this, you married him. This, is, this, this wasn't is, an ulterior motive. No, no. Well, <laughs> as I said to you, the, the Roland Sinclair series was written uh, in my yes. husband's particular area of expertise. And That's wonderful. And it's 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 made it's it, well. yes. What yeah. Michael doesn't know, he knows where to find. Yes. Um, and but mostly he knows it. Uh, so and and the other thing that you get in that sort of situation is the ability to debate it, because you're you're talking to an historian and not just reading a book, and you can argue. And quite often we will argue about things and say, you know, why did they do that and why didn't they do that and would he have said that and and so on. And that I think gives me a very robust immersion in yes. the era when I write. Yes. Yes. Um, and it. And do you? Um do you have any children? I have. I have two sons, Edmund and Atticus. Yes. How old are they? Um, my eldest is just about to turn 14 and my youngest is nine. Ah. Ah. So, so they would be reading your books, would they not? Oh, you know, I'm their not mother. <laughs> I'm their You're mother. You're just mum. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I'm their mother. Uh, look, I, I think my eldest has uh, yes. certainly read the YA and my youngest yeah, yeah I, I think he's read one or two, but you know, it's. I think it's difficult when it's your mum. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes. It's, it's really. Um, but you know, it's the the YA certainly comes the other way from them. I, I I was one of three girls, and to me, it was a great fascination having sons, um, and watching the way they think and the way they re- relate. Yes. Um, and and their, their love for all things violent. <laughs> <laughs> they are a different breed, aren't they? <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it was that fascination, and certainly um, with the mythological fiction series, I indulge in that fascination for the way. What are the titles for people listening if they want to get young adult books for their sons <laughs> in particular? <laughs> They're for girls too. I yes, yes, I know. Yes, yes, yes. So, what? Where will they find those books? What are they called? The the hero trilogy is uh, yes. the first book is Chasing Odysseus, right. the second book is Trying War, and the third book is The Blood of Wolves. Oh, 
and Fabulous. and they're all based on you know the Iliad, the Odyssey, um, the Aeneid, and and Greek mythology, which you know, ha- which timeless stories and the, the cornerstone is just uh, full of so many stories that people who have never read the Odyssey will be familiar with some of the stories because yes. they will, would have been in children's books. For Certainly, it's I mean it's a cornerstone novel of, of yes. Western literature in a lot of ways. It was yes. the first novel. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, and so, obviously, you're a reader. What do you read when you're not writing? Well, I, I, well, what happens when you're an author is you meet a lot of other authors. So, in fact, my reading's become a lot more eclectic than it used to be because I read uh, the books of people I've met. And it's a... It's so, a, whose book are you going to read from this festival? Oh, I have, I have bought Paul Daly's uh, book called Challenge. Um, yes, we did an interview with Paul. Yes, Absolutely uh, amazing. I yes. bought Tim Fisher's book on Monash, and I bought that with an ulterior motive in that I think it might have some historical nuggets which will be useful for the Rolling Sinclair series. Right. Excellent. <laughs> That's good. Cross-pollination. We love that. Oh, exactly. And, of course, I've, I've already read Frieda's books. Oh. And... Um, who else is there? My mind is like a sieve. <laughs> but, and Peter Rees's books have always been on our shelf. So, yes. uh, but extraordinary writer. Yes. And so one of the wonderful things about being a writer is getting exposure to genres that you wouldn't tra- traditionally have found yourself in, but you happen yes. to meet this person and they're interesting and they're fascinating and you yes. grab their book and then you have the particular privilege of reading a book when you know the person who's written them and you've heard their voice. Yes. Uh, and then their voice it's permeates it. Yeah. Look, you, you are such a good communicator. I have to tell you that not all authors are good speakers. <laughs> and you are just a joy to talk to because your communication skills are just oh, thank you. <laughs> so um, I'm sure that um, your Roland Sinclair series will be unputdownable. <laughs> and I, I think... So. With your children, obviously you would have read to them when they were little. Mm. So were you always reading those kinds of books, the, the, the Greek mythology? Did you tell them the stories of the stars like, I did. like your dad I did? did? I was, it was funny. I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, she has a really, really bright little boy. Um, and we were, we were laughing over the difference in our, in our parenting styles. And when her son asks a question... Um, about the moon in the sky, for example. She gives him a scientific answer of how the moon operates, and he's fascinated by the mechanics of the stuff. And I tell my children things like, oh, the moon is made of green cheese, and if you jump high enough, you might be able to catch it, to feed it to the dragon who's going to visit tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's fantastic. It's it's, it's quite interesting because now, now my boys look for the creative answer. Yes, um, yes. And the well, children are naturally creative, aren't they? Yes. And I think when we, we go to school and we're, we're growing up, we're, we're naturally creative and I think education just beats that out of us, doesn't it? Well, exactly. <laughs> when they get to high school, science can have them, but until science yes. takes them, they're mine. That's and fabulous. I will teach them about green cheese and dragons. Thank you very, very much. Green cheese and dragons it is. Um, before we go, would you, Solari, have some nuggets of wisdom to some person out there who feels the creative urge but hasn't yet launched their writing career, what advice could you give them with the hindsight that you have now? I think that a really important thing to do with your writing 
is to try and figure out what it is about your writing that's special and different that you really love. There will be all manner of people who will tell you what's wrong with it and what you can improve on and, and, and what, what your failings are. But to actually define what exactly it is about your writing that you like, that you love, that you're passionate about, it, it's harder than, than it sounds. And once you find it, protect that. Mm. Protect that with ferocity and, and be willing to change on everything else. Mm. It's your own voice, isn't it? Yeah. And everyone's unique. Yes, exactly. exactly. That's wonderful, wonderful advice. Thank you very much, Solari. It's been a joy. And um, Roland Sinclair series and the YA series, which is called... The Hero Trilogy. The Hero Trilogy. Please go out and buy them. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from www.aussiewriters.com.au. And if you are a reader or a writer, then hop on over to our website and subscribe. Subscribe.